0: well it's another tuesday evening and there's one major thing to do um turn up the volume on your radio pick up a pen and a piece of paper and let's talk technology you're welcome to city trends my name is philippa sean It's another Tuesday evening, and as we do typically, we do have some pertinent conversations around the world of tech and around the digital space. Um, It's pertinent as well, knowing and considering the the world that we live in, the digital space that we live in, and with COVID and everything else, quite a number of things have happened to a number of businesses. And one of the things and buzzwords that you keep hearing is this concept of pivot. (laughs) pivoting my business but what exactly does it mean to pivot how does it help a business at which point in time does a business that is trying to grow within a digital age pivot and also what are the various dimensions lessons to be learned how to do it how to prepare yourself for it all of that we're trying to get a better understanding of how all of that plays out um, in in a world today where Growing a digital business can sometimes be a handful for most people. Well, so pivoting in a technological or digital age, and my guest is the Chief Marketing and Operations Officer for Impuntu Technologies Limited, Deborah Asma. Deborah, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's always a pleasure to have people join us on the show to share their thoughts and um, their, their viewpoints about one issue or the other.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as well. Let's
0: start off from the basics. When someone says, or when someone who owns a business, or a technology business for that matter, a technology entrepreneur says, I want to pivot my business, what are they talking about? For the average person who probably has no knowledge of it, what are they talking about?
1: Um, To make it simple, pivoting is when you change the strategic direction of your business. It could be changing a product or service that you're offering. It could be making a strategic decision at the end of the day the goal is you change the revenue stream or flow of your company because of that directional change that you have done so every time you pivot you have made a very instrumental change in your business and that change has influenced revenue coming in but it has caused the company to grow so
0: i mean typically at which point do you make that decision is it is it when because i mean they have in in recent weeks and months they have been Quite a number of people whose businesses have either gone south and you know then comes the you have to pivot your business or you have to pivot your business whatever it is like at which point do you make that decision that at this time this is when we make that decision
1: pivoting the the time to make a pivot change really depends on the sme in question it could be that your company is really not doing well you have sunk in a lot of money you have done a lot of investment but the product and service you have is just not selling then you know that you have to change you have to bring in a new offering to get new clientele the other bit is where your product and service is fine you are scaling up and that's where an operational pivot comes in most people are used to pivoting in the sense of changing the product and service that you're offering but there's pivoting that's also operational So um, you can decide that as a business, you are scaling up the business, but the service that you have is not adequate enough to meet the customer demand. So in our case, for example, it could be you're offering um, a product that has a lot of um, businesses coming in, logging onto your platform, buying, making sales, uploading their videos and images and pictures. But the question is, every time people come in, are you able to sustain all of them? You might want to change your operational process and get in bigger and, you know, much larger servers and capacity to be able to process the requests that are coming in. So it depends on where you are at, and that would determine which type of pivot you should make and which direction you should take. If we take some of the companies that have pivoted, let's take um, YouTube, for example. They started off as a video streaming um, site for Dayton. That was all they wanted to do. But they had to change focus when they realized nobody was interested in it. In fact, they had spent money getting women to do videos, bring it on the platform, advertise for men to come there to date. But nobody was interested. But when they realized that every time they posted non-related videos people were catching on, they realized they had a target audience. So it was the demand then that caused them to change direction. And it it now become the YouTube that we know. So it really depends on where the company is.
0: it's it's a very difficult decision, um, you know, deep, regardless of the reasons behind. it, It's always a difficult decision to make or a different, a difficult direction to take. I mean, I would ask later on about what to look out for and how to make that decision. But is, is it imperative that every business bears in mind that at a point you would have to make a pivot, especially if it's a technology business?
1: Well, unless the business isn't looking at going beyond their very immediate, you know, offering itself, it is. No matter how well your business is doing, there'll come a time where the business will plateau then you'd have to change direction. So you'd realize a lot of the companies now are not offering just one product stream, even though they might have started off with a specific product stream. Let's come home. Let's look at the network operators we have. They started with voice, and that is their core business, but they have had to change. As time changed, they've now added data. They're even doing platforms now, but they're still um, connected to their core, which is voice. They were making revenue from voice but now they are changing and offering platforms so every business no matter how you started especially in the tech age where everything changes so rapidly you would have to pivot at some point you would have to make certain um strategic decisions that changes the focus of your company or directs your company to meet new um, audiences and even rake in more from the customers that you currently have so yeah you have to you have to have it in mind
0: so just just to clarify I mean the main reasons for a pivot generally will be either you've gotten to the point where the strategy is just not working and you just need to completely change focus or you want to scale up push into a different field or have another revenue stream coming through. Is there any other consideration for which reason a business will pivot apart from these two?
1: Pivoting is really for growth. Beyond that, there is no other reason. Either than that, you can just maintain the status quo, be comfortable. Probably somebody else would come in and push you out of business, but until then, you're comfortable. If you take Twitter, for example, they were, it was Odyssey. Is it Odyssey or Oday? I think it's Oday. They were called Oday. It was a podcasting platform. They were fine. But they realized when apple decided to go into podcasting that look there is no way we can compete with apple so they had to change then became this um, a platform for um, texting and characters right 140 characters so um sometimes you pivot just because of competition you might be doing really good but you see competition coming and you realize that look your opportunity cost and all those other things are just not enough to compete. And you would have to then take a decision to change. It doesn't mean at that time you were not doing well. So you need to be sensitive to your environment. You need to know where things are moving and then you change towards it. Um, A typical example would be in our environment. Everything is fine, but Because we know that outside the service we are offering, we want to do big data and AI, we need to pivot. So we are using tools like Grafana and all that to be able to visualize data and give this to our clients. So you you just cannot sit still, especially in the tech area, you cannot sit still, you need to plan for it.
0: So let's say you've gotten to that point where a pivot is necessary. Um, What would you say would be some of the guiding principles for, you know, for whatever reason it is that you need to make that pivot what would you say will be some of the guiding principles that you need to take note of when you are making that decision to pivot in whichever direction you want to go
1: you, it's for every business whichever the decision is you don't start off with the product without having a customer or an audience you are targeting that product to. So you need to be aware of the new audiences you're going to be targeting. Even if it's the same audiences, you need to be aware of the problem that they have that you're going to solve. You also need to test the field a little. Don't just go all out and say, look, I'm changing direction. We hit the ground running and you just cut off all the other things that is feeding you probably at that time. You need to test the field a bit. You know, probably have a conversation with some of your loyal customers. Assuming it is the same Um, core thing but you're just adding some more to it have a conversation with them it might be an existing application you have but then you have them going to one particular feature of your multi-application than going to the others Mm -hmm. so you need to probably have a conversation find out why you prefer this to that and just test it a bit and have your feet on the ground to haul it in if it's not working but you also need to prepare your base Assuming your test works, and now people are coming in for the service or the solution, have you built your capacity and your base enough to be able to support it? If it's, say, um, an e-commerce application you are having, you know people are going to call in, people have complaints, people have delivery complaints, do you have a service center that would handle all these things? You cannot go into a strategic change without preparing for it working. You know, sometimes we, think, we believe that it's going to work, but we have not prepared our base for it working. So people come calling in one, two, three, and you fail because you cannot serve them. So you need to also prepare your base. The other bit is your channel. What is going to be your distribution channel? Um who are the people who are you're going to rely on to serve these um, consumers that you have identified what happens if they bail out on you do you have a plan b a plan c even to a plan z you need to have all these things written out so yes it's a great idea that you have a new direction that is going to work but you can't jump into that direction without first putting down on paper what your response is going to be if it works, what your support is going to be if it works, what your dis- your distribution channel is going to be if it works, and basically how you can even scale off it if it does work, you know? So these are some of the considerations you might want to take.
0: And I mean, in, in terms, people also talk about the financing of it, because clearly, whichever direction you choose to take will cost you. How much of a big deal is that?
1: when it comes to business financing is everything <laughs> we've heard of um startups being asked about internal financing from their parents and all that and it doesn't change when you're changing directions especially when it's an absolute 360 change it means you're putting away all your existing products and services and you're creating something completely new don't start off without knowing where your funding is going to be because if you're looking at um Capital inflow from, say, the banks. Interest rate, especially in our environment, might even cripple you before you start. So you might want to think about things like equity. You know, where people come in and take a bit of your shareholding, so you have the funding to do all these things. So, you, money is everything, but money is not all that. Sometimes planning can also help you with that. And let's take a business that is doing, see, our e-commerce side again. Say you're offering is um, B2B but this time you decide to make it B2C. Your change is so much on the branding and on the marketing because your platform still remains the same. It's just that this time you're allowing vendors to come in. So it is the marketing that you might end up spending a lot on. If you have an internal team that is into branding, you might want to use them a lot for that to cut down on your cost. They can do a lot of research on how people have done it out there. So you don't spend so much money on consultants at the basics, right? Um, then you can also use other not-so-traditional mediums to take your branding aspect out. We have social media now that can help. You can do paid ads, but you can start with small, you know, paid ad amounts so you don't spend too much on advertising cost. So money is important, but if you are really short strapped for cash, you can strategize to balance it out with the decisions that you make. I
0: see. Well, listeners so you are still tuned in to 97.3 City FM, this is, of course, City Trend. And we are having a conversation around the general idea of what it means to pivot in a digital age. And it is coming back full circle to that digital age part of the conversation that we are just going to jump into. Um, I'm just going to be speaking now about... and. I just want to ask about the considerations for the technology that um, um, is supposed to, to shoulder all of this change within the business. Because it's one thing, of course, having the strategy is one thing, having the money. but then the technology must also support yeah. you know, all of that that you want to do, because primarily, we are speaking to technology entrepreneurs, primarily in their digital age, I mean, if you' are not considering the technologies that are supposed to help help you make that move. I'm not sure what exactly you're supposed to be thinking mm-hmm. through. So can you walk us through some of the considerations regarding the tech side of the conversation? Um, what needs to be considered before, you know, that that, that, that pivot even, that journey begins?
1: Um, and I think probably five years or some few years back, having a website would not have really been a big deal. It's, it would have been like, you are a serious company to have had a website. But these days, you have to be, Even a company starting out to have something like that for people to consider you as being serious, right? Um, It is important for you or any business to make use of the um, technical platforms that are available. Have a website that brands your company, that gives information about what it is you do, who your customers are, even some of the customers you have served before. It helps build credibility. So you can start off with that. You also have to look at how you make your offering a bit more Um, global you cannot have um, if it's a software you're selling you cannot have all your software on desktops and applications and outside the office people cannot use it so you have to think about going to the cloud you know offering your services as software as a service as they say so if it's an e-commerce site even the name speaks for itself it has to be online people must have access to it so you need to be able to do these things, you put your services out there, people should be able to sign up. For example, if it's an SMS service, if you go to our website, it's there. You sign up, you buy your credit, you do whatever it is. You don't need me to come to your office to be able to do these processes. So, how do you offer these services um, globally without anybody walking into your office to have them? Especially now in the pandemic, people had to do a lot of changes. Restaurants, who traditionally were work in places people sit and eat needed to change their model. They were now doing distribution, like um, external kitchen to many homes. They cook and they deliver. If you are not ready to do that, you'll be kicked out of business. Um, People have changed from brick and mortar warehouses and storehouses to now sell online. There are people selling online who don't even have offices. So how do you, an entrepreneur who is mostly at the tech um, space, take advantage of all these things? And the tools are out there. You know there are people who are out there. This time you can get websites as cheap at 500 Ghana cities if you, con- you con- contact the, the right people. So it doesn't have to also be because of cost. And your social media page, what are you using it for? Are you just taking pictures of yourself and smiling and having holidays and putting it there? Even your WhatsApp status, people are selling on their WhatsApp status. They don't need to have a TV ad to show their words. They can give it to their friends and their family, and it is going out there. So how are you utilizing, you know, the technical space or environments, the rich environments we are in now, the simple tools? How are you even using that? If you cannot use your WhatsApp status, and I give you a TV ad time, you think that is what is going to change anything for you? You, you get what I mean. So these tools that we know of—cloud space, social media, um, websites—these are things that we can take advantage of.
0: Easily, easily available and easily accessible. But I mean, as as we know, we tend to be very stubborn, and then fail fail to see fail to see them. They are very easily available. Now let's let's get into some specifics. Um, so let's say. Um, someone owns a business tech business original solution excited team hires like 50 people everybody's like really psyched up this is going to be a game changer the whole world is going to hear about us blah blah, blah. then you get to that point where the original idea doesn't seem to be working anymore could be because of a number of things either because the initial research that went into You know, the product design wasn't done properly, whichever. But you've gotten to that point where the original idea for which the solution was even brought up in the first place is lost. How does a tech entrepreneur work themselves out of a situation like that?
1: Um, You know, with even experience from having been in the business for a while, sometimes when the thing is not working at all, there's always something that somebody liked. You know, that you can pivot on it doesn't have to be all bad and n- n- most companies did not start off with the best of ideas so you don't need to shoot yourself in the foot because what you started off with isn't working and if you take a lot of the companies we know let's take nintendo guys love nintendo mm-hmm. super mario and all that comes with it but nintendo started off as a uh, card playing company you know they, did, they were designing cards and giving it out Later on when they realized that CAD wasn't doing too well, cause then Warner Bros had brought in animation and they realized they had an opportunity there, they started doing games. You take off what you can when it's working, but when it's not working, don't sit down and sulk over it. If you were offering a certain solution and people like a certain aspect of your solution, probably it's time to sit down and go back to the drawing board and ask yourself, what is it about this solution that people like? Well, what of exactly this part what is it about it? I think it was the same thing with Flickr. You know, even though Flickr was a platform that people could put videos and play games on, people were utilizing the picture part of Flickr more than they were utilizing the other side. Mm. So Flickr as we know it now evolved from the original idea to now allow people to put pictures on it. Because they realized that's all people wanted, you know. But sometimes as entrepreneurs, we are stubborn. We think that, okay, this is what I want to do and by all means, people must buy into this. But the people are telling you that, no, this is this part of it that I want. How You have to be malleable. You have to be flexible. So my advice would be don't suck. Don't sit and waste time. Go back to the drawing board with your team. Have a brainstorming session. Let's find out why people like this little aspect of this. How do we scale it up? And how do we turn the business around to deliver on that?
0: How much of it is often down to the fear of the unknown? I mean, like you said, you have a solution, but people like a particular part of the solution. How much of it is it from the, the tech entrepreneur's side, is it a fear of will it actually work? How, how much of it is can we boil down to that? Because you probably feel that, like you said, this is my solution, this is how it works, this is how I think people should use it. But then probably the fear of, the unknown in terms of picking out one portion of it the fear of feeling that it might not work how much of it do you would you would you say we can attribute to that
1: i think so far as you're an entrepreneur you've already dealt with the fear of unknown node was started in the first place i believe the problem really is we think sometimes that people have not understood what we're selling, or we've not communicated it well enough, so we see everything as an opportunity to communicate it differently. Not really the fear of the owner, you think that look, you have this idea in your head, and you believe that the idea will provide the solution people want. If they're not buying it, you think it's because. You have probably not communicated it well, or they haven't seen it. Mm. So you want to keep trying to get them to see what it is that you're seeing, and that's where the stop on streak comes in. Hey, it's good because your stop on streak is going to keep you with the business. Mm. But if it keeps you from listening, if it keeps you from seeing, you know the holes in the wall, then there is a problem. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
0: Mm. Well, let's move on to the next stage of the conversation, which is where the solution that you have needs to take a new direction this time it's not as if the solution has failed but the solution is actually working but you just feel as an entrepreneur once again that a new direction is needed how do you prep yourself for that how do you position yourself for that
1: i think it really goes to testing the field a little um the best would be to and if it's a solution, an existing solution, like you've said, and you're just scaling up that solution a little, the best would be to test it out on a few of your loyal customers. You know, because these people are loyal for a reason and they wouldn't just up and leave because something you tested out on them didn't work before you go into the market where they really, tested out to them for free. Let them give you feedback on it and use that feedback to refine that which you have just done, you know, and that for me, I think is the best way you can go about it. You should also have an exit plan or an exit strategy. If what you are looking to do is not going to work, you need to know how to get yourself out of it. Mm You cannot just go out and start without knowing how you can stop it. So that would be the second. So the first, like I mentioned, is testing it on a few of your loyal clients, taking feedback and refining the the process. The second is to have an exit strategy. If it doesn't work, how you get yourself out of it and go back.
0: People people often say that's a defeatist sort of approach to it, though. No,
1: that's a realistic approach to things. I mean, you cannot... My, my partner always says that you cannot think about the good or nothing of a bad. If you have a plan for how you're going to execute the strategy if it works. Um, that is uh, having your customer service base, uh, your delivery, your solution, all those things. You should have a plan of how you're going to get out if it doesn't work. You would bring the whole company to a standstill if you don't anticipate failure. When you anticipate a possible fail, you can plan for it and mitigate the impact of that fail to the business. So I, I think that it's it's very unrealistic to go into business especially when you're bringing change people fear change people respond to change differently it might be good change but they just don't want to grasp into you should have a a fail strategy yeah so yeah these are some of the things i would say we
0: we also have the situation where people (laughs) people go with this mindset of fake it till you make it you know so At the heart of it's fake. Yes, that's true. But people often start off these businesses. And we've seen quite a number of them. So many examples. You have an idea. You go pitch the idea. Um, you get a couple of investors coming on board. You know, you get an office in East legon Flashy, whatever. Then you do get to that point where the rubber hits the road. You know, and the reality sets in. How for people who probably are listening right now who are faking it till they make it, (laughs) how would you advise for them to to turn it around?
1: You know, business is not like (laughs) fake. I mean, you get to learn the hard way not to fake it that much. I think that when it comes to business, you should just look the part instead of acting the part. Mm. Um, Let Mm -hmm. me create a distinction here if you are not raking in the money you don't want to go out driving a rolls royce or um um, um, all the good cars just so people can see you acting the part of raking in the money Mm. why not rather look the part of being a successful and a serious business person that comes from various means like dressing well speaking properly selling your business well being at the right networking events being able to deliver a pitch immediately somebody calls you on people you are being serious you're looking serious you are not acting by the sense of the word faking seriousness you know if your business needs say a front-facing part so you need to have a certain flashy office so when people come in you know there is you get business from that as well You don't need to rent a whole office for that because your back-end people can be in the ghetto somewhere and deliver on the service, especially when it's tech. Mm. All your things are online anyway. You just need a few people. Get a, a shared space. You know, you can get a shared space and all you have is just your desk and two people there looking good and presenting the front that others need to see whilst your team is in your ghetto, building your applications, bringing it up there. You don't have to be all flashy. There are ways around it. My office is in Dunsummon. I'm not in a Twin Tower place out there, but I'm getting the service done. And anybody who calls me for a meeting, I show up and I play my part. And you know that I'm a serious company. Also leverage on the clients you have served. If you have served, say GIZ, if you have said some make, if you said all the brands out there, leverage on them. The next business person would say that okay, if this customer trusted you enough to give you the business, I could also trust you enough to do that. If you spend all your money on a flashy office space and you don't have a serious customer to boast with, how are you gonna get the next customer? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it is true that in our parlance we say yeah to ni But yeah, nam, do, do, nie, de, you, you use a skinny worm on on the string to catch a big fish so you don't need to go all flamboyant out there just to show that you're a serious company for you to get a good kind
0: those are those are very yeah. well you're still tuning in to 97.3 city fm you're still tuning into city trends and we are having a conversation about what it means to pivot in a digital age um considerations obviously for the various aspects and the various manifestations of it and um it's it's very instructive um very i like i like how very straight you are with the truth because sometimes we get to that point where people are very um uh, economical With the truth as business people and often don't say it for what it is and so um that's big ups to you debbie but let's just say with these two categories that we've talked about all well and good someone is lucky enough business is going fantastic you know like there's very little to worry about solution is fine you just feel within you as a business owner that A new direction is necessary. Sometimes it means coming up with a new solution that sort of piggybacks off the original idea. Sometimes it's a completely new product, but then coming from the same stable. I'm guessing there's also a manifestation of a pivot, really. So in in a case like that, in a case where a, a technology entrepreneur has come up with a solution, the solution is working, everything seems to be clicking, but then, that inner entrepreneur in them—that's that feeling that doesn't make you sleep. Just feels that something else, a new solution from what we have been able to successfully do, is necessary. How 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 do you condition yourself for that? Because I can imagine someone doing the lesson right now, starting off a business, and then bearing in mind that I'm I'm hoping to succeed, you know, but. Sometimes you do succeed, but then it's really not enough. You yes. just feel that the next stage is waiting. How, how do you prepare yourself for that kind of pivot, that level of pivot?
1: I think really um, when you get there, there's, there's really so much that you can do because you wouldn't rest till you do that which you want to do anyway. And that's where the team support plays um, a major role here. Um, let me give you a typical example with our circumstance. We we were very successful in the SMS business, but as a business, that wasn't what we weren't satisfied with. That we wanted to provide platforms. We were providing platforms, so to say, with the SMS because people come on the platform and use it. But the SMS is different. It became like a, it's just a value to add a service, to whatever it is you're doing. We wanted to do more. And even though the SMS was raking in money, we wanted to go in the area of AI. Now, you are in an environment where everybody knows AI is a buzzword, word, like you would, you would so fondly use. But when you go and you are selling the application, everyone is hesitant because they are not too sure they want to put their money where the mouth is. So you needed to be strategic about it. So we asked ourselves, how do we present the solution that we know would work? to these same clients that we are selling. Mm-hmm. And we said platforms would do, do the trick for us. So we started offering things like an ERP. Now when you come to me and you're using my customer um, um, CRM, I have instated my AI in there. And when it start giving you prediction of customers that can leave your service because of the type of service mm-hmm. you're giving them, and I'm not charging you for the AI, you come to me for more. Right. That's an example of what we did. For some of our customers, we put in AI to do fraud detection. So when I was able to give you a report that, look, this is what your your agents are doing on the field with your banking app. They are stealing money from you or they are just recycling the money and you are giving them more commission. You became interested. But how did it work? We got the team to rally behind it. We said, look, this service is bringing us money, but this is not where the company wants to stay. This is where the company wants to go. This is the hesitation we are getting from our customers. How do you think we make it work? And you would be amazed at some of the brilliant ideas you'll get from your team members on how to take this next stage out there without killing your existing business. So I think team support is everything for an entrepreneur. You don't have to carry the burden alone. Share it with the team. If it takes all night, give them food. Let them stay in the conference room. Because sometimes, even as an entrepreneur, you get to an age where you can't think as smart or as fast as you used to. And the new people in the company will do that for you. Just let them know where you want to get to. Let them help you with it. And you would be surprised at how it takes off. That's,
0: that's, that's very interesting. I mean, because there's always that, that challenge, that feeling. that Because I, started the business. I know
1: best.
0: I know best. I know
1: (laughs) well. You know, how
0: how how have you probably from your experience as well, tapping into that, how have you managed to to let go of 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 that sentiment, you know? Because it's a very real sentiment. You know, that the the fear that you might not be good enough. The fear that
1: sometimes it's even the fear that nobody can carry it out as well as as you you can. You know, it's just like having a child. And even if you take your child to your mom, sometimes like you think your mom is not handling the child the way you like the way you spunk the child, your mom is not doing that. But you it's not possible. It is the even Christ said you would do far bigger things than I have done. You know, so you have to learn to let go. Not let go completely where you are detached from the business. No. But give people the opportunity to innovate. Give people the opportunity to bring ideas to you. Because no matter how much you love the thing, so far as you are just stuck in it, you cannot see everything as well as others can see it. And people have great ideas. Let them bounce it off you. If it's not a good idea, you've lost nothing. You know, so you are not all there is. And this is to my fellow entrepreneurs out there. And the world and your business doesn't revolve and end with you. You are not going to create a conglomerate by thinking that way. And I know it is hard. But share the burden. Let your people in on it. And you would be happy. I mean, you would.
0: One of the greatest pivots that we are seeing today is Facebook morphing into this... Company called Meta. At a point in time, we saw Google do it with Alphabet as well. What Facebook is doing is for me a little more unique in terms of selling or pivoting. Like, it's literally like everything that Facebook wants to be is dependent on how well Meta does. Mm-hmm. And it's like putting all your eggs literally in one in in one basket. I my question really is, when your client base, when your customers, probably even don't even have an idea of what what that next phase is going to be, how do you, as a business person with a vision, still pursue it, regardless of? Because we've seen in recent weeks, ever since the announcement from Facebook, all the backlash, all the issues along with it and all of that. But there seems to be something happening underneath. There seems to be an acceptance from a certain community. But then that widespread acceptance is, is not there. I'm just wondering if you were probably in Zuckerberg's shoes, dealing with the, this huge burden of this vision, because it will probably not materialize, materialize in his lifetime. Probably not in the next CEO's lifetime, but then probably in another generation or two generations. You know, how how do you how do you how do you manage that personally? That's carrying that vision of what the what is and is is, is literally not even the future of the business. Is it's the future of communication and connection. So it actually goes beyond the business. It's now more of the the people and the community and culture. How, how do you show that, that sort of burden when the vision that you hold for your business goes beyond the business?
1: You know, um, I've o- I've always said that unless you were looking to create a business that would die off when you die, you shouldn't be too worried. When an execution or complete execution of your strategy doesn't take off within your lifetime. Now, if you take the Facebook example, this would be like the second time Facebook has morphed. But a lot of the time, it didn't just happen. Even before the change of the name, we could see attributes of Meta in Facebook. We're making use of data. People had already had Facebook was creating um, an avenue for people to use it, even with the minimum amount of data. Facebook is doing this thing where you can use it outside your your um, national um, telecommunications. We had had all these things happening, so it is more of a natural birth of Meta. You know, sometimes. As an entrepreneur, you need to allow things to happen a bit before you go all out there and then talk about it. Mm-hmm. So that at the time you go all out there, people are sort of used to it because they had seen it. They had sensed right. it. They the are kind of family. like, yeah, I lived it. And you are just basically coming to announce that which they have lived. Right. But that is where I go back to also having a good team. You know, when you have a good team behind you, your vision lives and outlives you. So you should be creating people outside yourself that can run with that which you have. If you take Microsoft, um, Bill is no longer there, but Microsoft is doing very well under new leadership. You know, it's it's, Bill will, will die off and Microsoft will still be there doing really good. So for those of us here in our environment, how do we create our businesses such that you know it's not about us it becomes everything about the solution we are given the people we are serving and how that solution outlives us and if we can't think that way then psh, excuse me say we have no business starting off in the in the first place
0: you know the example that you gave about microsoft also kind of brings something in, into mind we had a phase after bill where Microsoft seemed to have its hands in so many different things. was going in all sorts of directions. Satya Nadella came in and went back to the core of what Microsoft stood for, which is enterprise. At the core of it, Microsoft really, most of its money was made from the enterprise solution that it offers. As a business owner, as, a, as, as someone who operates in the tech space, um, how, how important is that original, core belief that you started off with especially when you've grown the business you know you're employing so many people there's there seems to be so many different you know um points at which you are meeting the customer's needs and everything how important is that original founding belief to what you know you want to build because sometimes it just feels that as the business grows you lose out on the core that's for which reason you set up the business. Mm. So for you, how, how important is, is establishing that core belief in such a way that no matter who comes in, who goes out, that core belief still remains, especially for um, a tech space which is ever-changing. Yeah. How do you maintain a consistency with, with that core belief?
1: Um, I, I think even with the core belief, there are nuances to it. Mm. So... If you take AXE, for example, our vision is pretty simple to make our customers free to achieve. Mm-hmm. Now, that can be anything, you know, but that's the core belief we have. And we are saying that, okay, every time I give you a solution, that takes your mind off the mundane or the stressful tasks in your business and allows you to focus on your core operations. I have made you free to achieve. Today, I might be using that, w- I'm giving you that service with my um, finance module because now you don't need to calculate, calculate, calculate. At the end of the day, you get your, your financial statements all worked out for you, so you're good. But tomorrow, it could be something completely different. Someone else might come in to lead the business and decide to go into a and then decide that, okay, they're going to focus more on technical tools in the grid business. Now, someone might say that, oh, that's completely different from what Impunzu started off with. They were doing ERPs and AI and SMS, now they are doing agri. But what is the core theme? The core theme is to make my customer free to achieve. So if I'm building agri-based tools, am I allowing the farmer to focus on their core job whilst I'm using technology to help them? So there are nuances to the core theme, but you see, sometimes it changes because the audience and the environment you're working with have no interest again in that which is forming the central part of your service. So you cannot stick, assuming um, the people who started out with films have you know held onto it and said, our core thing is to give you films for your camera. And we cannot change that. You would die, your bones would rot, and nobody cares about the film anymore. So you, you have to have a balance where you are central to who you are and where you are flexible enough to change it if it's no longer needed. I, I want
0: to get into a bit of impunto as well. Um, I'm guessing you've gotten to those points in your growth where a pivot was necessary. I want you to share with us you know, some of those points and also just some personal lessons as a business. Um, how what you learned from, from that experience. So a lot of what you've told us today, I'm guessing, is from learnings from that. But if you could just share with us you know, some of the things that impuntu has been through and some of the pivots that you probably have made, some examples of, of that. That would be great.
1: We are your typical Ghana-based <laughs> tech entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And we've had the, the pleasure of having to pivot in two main ways, the operational part and from the product and service point of view. You know, when you start off as a tech company or any entrepreneur starts off anywhere, you're really not concerned about a lot of things. You're not concerned about having an operational structure. You're not concerned about having your finance office, your tax office, your legal. Nobody cares about that. You just want to sell and make money. At a point where the company was going, we realized we couldn't do that anymore because you had clients coming in, but you did not have the operational base to support it. We were lucky enough to start off with a good um, governance structure. So I, I thought, hey, you need to rein yourself back in. Either spend a couple of months fixing your operational processes and setting up this thing, or you spend the rest of your years struggling for it. And me being a typical marketing person, I'm like, look, you're taking me off my clients. You want me to sit down and, you know, sort out operational things. But you get to learn that if you don't have a good foundation, Everything you are building would just go down like it's in a sink and sand. So we needed to change. We needed to create a pipeline of process. If a customer is coming in, what is the process? If a customer is served their technical solution, what is the process for support? If the customer is not happy, what is the process of complaint resolution? And if the customer says, look, You people are not serious at all. I don't even want to work with you at all. Mm. What is even the process for saying bye bye in a way that the customer can come back to you Mm. at a later stage? So, unfortunately, we decided to stick with uh, an operational process called RASI, which is Responsible, Accountable, Consulted, Informed. And that is what has worked for us. So it says that when you're coming into the business, or even internally, if a department wants something, there is always someone who is responsible to deliver on the service. Mm. And even if you're delivering on the service, there's someone who is accountable for the delivery that you're giving. Then there's someone you have to consult with to get the best out of the service that you're delivering. Mm-hmm. And there's someone who is just informed throughout the process. That person might never say anything throughout the process, but just needs to know, you know. And that is what we built our operational process. And that skilled us up. Because then, all of a sudden, we were ready for the big clients that we were getting. We had set up the foundation. And these big clients were used to certain operational offerings. So they thought that, okay, your business process was not too off from what I'm used to, so I can work with you. Exactly. So, my advice with every entrepreneur is look, you need to spend time to fix your internal processes. You can be making the money now, but you cannot scale if your internal processes are not tight. And you need to be able to refine it, take feedback from your employees that, look, this part of the process is not working, this part is too bureaucratic, and change it, and that would help. Mm -hmm. Then there is the product and service part. We started off with, like I mentioned, SMS, Mm -hmm. and we have grown to be one of the most competitive in the industry. But we were not satisfied because we thought that was just too limiting in what it was giving to our customers. So even with our SMS platform, in an industry where everybody just had an S, all our competitors just had an SMS platform and all that, we had to scale up on it. We created a dynamic messaging platform where you could do USSD on the same SMS platform. Mm -hmm. You could do social media posts on the same SMS platform. You could do email on the same SMS platform. So we could no longer call it an SMS platform. We had to change the name into a dynamic messaging platform. And then we said, look, AI is what we want to do. So we integrated AI into our messaging platform. Now, when I do a post on my social media feed, anytime people come down to comment, I can analyze the post. It categorizes into negative, positive, and neutral. You know, so with big Com- um, companies where people come and type a lot of things on their website you have people sitting there scrolling through find out what each person says. we have just done the categorization for you and where one is very negative it's a flagged high so you go and deal with it mm-hmm. That gave us leverage. So when I go and I'm selling to you, I'm not just selling SMS. I'm selling you a whole suite that people became comfortable with. But even then, it was just an output into the main thing we wanted to do, which was the AI, and that's how our ERP came in. Because for us, we were introduced to Oracle. We were introduced to SAP. We were introduced to a whole lot of applications, <laughs> but they were so damn expensive. Yeah you know and nobody wants to spend no startup wants to spend all their money on tools but it's also very relevant how do you know the right taxes to pay if you are not even doing your accounting well you were getting so much money coming and you don't even know where the money was going to at the end of the day so we did a lot of research and we built an in-house erp that we realized was working well for us so we gave it to a couple of friends who were also in businesses but mm. we got their feedback we scaled up on it you know so we have moved and transitioned from a company that started off as SMS service to a company that is providing software as a service and now given it using AI. You know, So I would just say to everyone out there, every business that is starting out, it is fine. Start out with the little that you have mm. because you can't also wait to have it all before you start, but just be ready to change things. You know have it in mind that at this stage of the business i need to do x at that stage of the business i need to do y and when those stages come because you have planned for it you're ready to just you know dive into it
0: i mean we'll be we'll, we'll be wrapping up here and um listeners I, I do hope that you know you've picked up one lesson or the other because i i don't know what else you'd be doing if you haven't picked up lessons um but the, the, it's at the end of the day it's really about provision of a solution yeah that's th- at the core of it that's what it is and as we wrap up the conversation i just wanted to ask if if there were any final thoughts any final comments that you wanted to give to listeners um either on the topic or about you know the services that you provide and some of the lessons you've picked up um along the way this would be a good time
1: um i, I guess one thing i'll say is for first i want to encourage all the entrepreneurs out there businesses out there you don't consider yourself a failure because you just started off and some things that you thought would work out didn't work out it is okay to know beat yourself down but it is not okay to beat yourself down too much get back on the horse and start riding and it is okay to also seek help talk to others who are in the industry who have done it even as we keep doing it because we haven't gotten anywhere yet you know and there are people out there that can give you good ideas if you take us we are we are true to our vision of making our customers free to achieve. Mm -hmm. So anytime I go to a place to offer a service, I listen to what it is that you're having a problem with. And sometimes what you called me in to offer a solution on, is not even what the problem is, you know? So you need to be ready to give to your customers what is actually needed, not what you think they want to make money off them, right? And right now as a business, our main focus is to give to our customers enterprise tools that can help them scale up. And those tools are different based on who the customer is. You might just be a business that has started off, you are into selling of things. Get an inventory and sales software to record the inventory you're putting in, to record the sales that are going out. So let lets you know which of your products people are buying and the ones that you're losing a market on. So you can change tactics quickly. Don't just use your paper and a pen. And these tools are cheap. These tools are cheap. Call us, it would help you. If it is customer management, get a CRM part of the application, you know, Keep in track of your customers. There's nothing more annoying to me than when I call a company and somebody responds and the next time I'm calling, the next person is asking me, What did I say? And I'm asking myself, didn't you just put it down in the first place? Get your finance application. You know, know what you're spending your money on. We we do that all the time where our salaries even come and we think, ah, yesterday I had money. All of a sudden I don't have money. And when you start putting things together, one, two, three realise, ah, sick you know know this from your finance tools call companies don't be hesitant that it might be too expensive you might be shocked to know that our whole erp can even come at a cost of 100 ganases you wouldn't get that offering anywhere else you know so reach out and let's help each other grow we need it
0: we do we do need it and this conversation was indeed needed it's 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 been a pleasure um Obviously having this conversation and all the lessons that were picked up obviously as well. I do I do hope that you know you've you've learnt a thing or two from this conversation. We've been speaking with the chief marketing and operations officer. Um, hint hint. I'm sure you you you, you realised from the breakdown that she, she gave. Um, she's with Impuntu Technologies Limited. Um, Deborah Asma thank you so much for joining us for the conversation well the conversation does indeed continue on City Trends as you know the show is always available as a podcast um, every Wednesday morning so make sure you look out for that but then till next week stay techy